This, 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 Welcome to podcast episode number 783. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your review for the boxing from the weekend just gone. Plenty to get stuck into. Scorecards, controversial reappearances, knockouts. Got a lot for you. Stick around for it. Uh, before we get stuck into it, though, please subscribe to us. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. Loads of different audio feed suggestions there. However you want to consume the podcast, you can do. Thank you so much. If you're already a subscriber and coming back to every single show. Also, thank you to those that have made that little leap over to the world of YouTube because we're trying to grow the community there. It is starting to pop a little bit. And so if you could uh, get yourself over there and watch the show. In fact, you don't even have to watch it. Just hit subscribe. It just helps. The algorithm of YouTube, it will push it in front of more fight fans' noses. And therefore, maybe they, who don't know anything about us, in deepest, darkest territories all over the world, might think to yourself, these two crazy northerners from uh, from England, yeah, I kind of like what they're saying. Let's get stuck in. Or they might even hate what they're saying and just want to argue with us. Either or, lovers or haters, underdogs want to be on top. So get involved in it, all right? Hit that subscribe button on YouTube uh, and help us uh, grow the community. Thank you very much. What a weekend, eh? What a weekend. I've spent the majority of my weekend contemplating who I'd rather be. What about you? Straighten. <laughs> Straighten. Who would you rather be? Who would you rather be? Would you rather... Mo Salah? He had a good weekend. Would you rather be him? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Mo Salah or uh, Nunes right now. Nunes Ooh. is the guy, man. I'll tell you what. He is beloved by the Anfield faithful already. Let yeah. me tell you, but there was a few people I'd like to have been this weekend. There's certainly a few people I'm quite happy I'm not this weekend. Yeah. But listen, since the way you brought it up, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the for the the interview that he did, and he mentioned yourself. <laughs> he mentioned Spencer Oliver. Oh yeah, didn't he? Do you know what I liked about it? Do you know what I liked? Didn't mention it? didn't mention Simon Jordan, no, did he? Didn't mention no. Simon Jordan, the multi-millionaire, self-made. Multi, didn't mention him. Didn't mention him. I wonder why. Because yeah. world evolves around a paycheck, probably. But yeah, what a what a fucking idiot. Do you want me to give you my honest take on it? And listen, if my personal Twitter bio handle isn't suggestive enough, which anyone that might have noticed that I updated it as soon as I seen that video, is my take on it. And you can take a back seat for a sec because this is I I seen it. I seen what he said and was and it and it made me laugh. And then but then I thought about it. And I thought, he really hasn't got a clue what he's talking about because he's basically said, I'd rather be me than this individual or that individual. However, the individual he's picked on, let's look at Spencer, for instance, against all the odds, goes away, becomes European champion, makes def- multiple defences of the title, Almost loses his life inside the ring, fights all the way back, comes back, is now one of the best analysts in the game, got a fantastic career in TV, ultimate success story, sensational, well done, self-made, absolutely brilliant. And I'll, listen, I'll let you get fucking bashful for a second. Started in this game. As far as I know, your dad's not Chris Evans, is he? Your dad's not Chris Evans, the greatest radio DJ this country's ever seen, giving you a leg up, giving you a job at Radio 1 just because he's Chris's son and all that. No, 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 no. You were a guy that had a little dream, that wanted to be a DJ, that ended up DJing in nightclubs in front of thousands of people, that travelled Europe DJing in famous nightclubs. Then you had a new dream, 
And a new dream was to be at Radio 1. And you worked your balls off to get to Radio 1. You slept in your own car and you made it happen. You got to Radio 1. Fucking sensational. And then you had another dream. And that was to move into sports broadcasting. And then you did that. You went into the BBC and you did the Olympic Games. And then you moved over to TalkSport. And now you've got a, a show on national radio talking about football. But that wasn't good enough. Because your real dream was to talk about fight sports. And now you host national fight sports coverage on national radio. You've also got the best fucking podcast, independent fight sport podcast on the fucking planet in your back bin as well. You're a guy that is self-made, that has achieved multiple dreams in your career, realized these goals, set new goals, and you're pursuing them again. And a kid who's 26, that's not self-made, that's dad-made, that's never done anything Outside was dad's shadow. That's never won a single belt in boxing. Not an area title, not an English title, not a British title, not a Commonwealth title, not a European title, and not a whale title. And he's got the audacity to take the pop of people that have actually achieved something in their lives on their own two feet. Listen, Mr. Ben, there's a difference between self-made and dad-made. And don't you forget it. That's all I've got to say. I don't think I need to say anything. Welcome to the show, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> right, it pissed me off, obviously, but hey, whatever. Now, listen, from my point, it didn't piss me off at all. Listen, at the end of the day, <clears throat> it's not going to change my attitude towards the situation. It's not going to change my attitude towards Connor or anybody that is listen, involved in this. At the end of the day, the first, when, when, when people... time we on this show have said anything what you could consider personal. It was never personal. It's never been no. personal. The no, last 12 no. months have never been personal about Connor Ben or Eddie Ayn. It's about the business. It's about having some fucking respect for this sport. That's what it's always been about. It's never been personal about them until the last five minutes of this show. Now it got personal because he made it personal. Anyway, sorry. Mate, I you what you're saying. No, no, no. Listen, as, as I said, when uh, Jim White and Simon brought it up on, the, on Friday morning, at the end of the day, when people start throwing around when people get personal, it's because they feel uncomfortable in a situation. Rather than have a conversation using rhyme or reason or logic, facts and figures, um, it's because they feel uncomfortable with the situation, isn't it? Yeah. I don't feel uncomfortable with the situation. We're having a conversation uh, about, like you've just said, the sport of boxing. I personally believe that the behaviours, not just from Connor, from people in and around him as well over the last 12 months, haven't been right. And they continue to not be right. Uh, and we ended up landing ourselves in a situation uh, at the weekend where he uh, got back in the ring and ended up, uh, ended up having a fight. And we'll do our job in a minute. We'll we'll go through and we'll talk about the fight and, and how it all played out. But for me now, with all due respect to him, over this weekend, that's not the biggest story this weekend. And no. I know that people will come at me and they'll say, what are you talking about? We're talking about a guy that fell through drug tests that ended up fighting at the weekend and there's still a cloud over him. Yes, of course, it's a story. But my frustrations and my emotions are connected to the Jessica McCaskill and Sandy Ryan fight. That's the that's where I'm at from yeah. the whole weekend. And bear in mind, I was sat in Wembley. I yeah. watched Joe Joyce get knocked out from Big Bang Zhang. And that's the story as well, because what can Zhang do in the heavyweight division? We'll come to that throughout the whole course of this particular show. But I want to start once again. And I know that this winds people up and gets people upset. But we have to talk about the atrocity in scoring in that Jessica McCaskill-Sandy Ryan fight because you have stolen away an opportunity from a young woman that has done her job. Her, Clifton Mitchell, that team, 
Sandy yeah. Ryan had a game plan, had a job to do away from home in the biggest fight of their lives, unifying that division. They went out and they implemented what they set out to do to the letter, yeah. got it right, and did not get the reward. That's not fucking right. Yeah. It's not right. And it's not right for people to just go, oh, it's boxing though, isn't it? No. We talked there about people that get off their arse and work hard on their own dreams. We're talking about a young lass here that started this career. And I've no doubt that when she was letting bed at night as a, as a young amateur or whatever, and she was thinking to herself, I want to be world champion. I want to be fighting in America. I want to be doing the big unifications in these big fights. And I want to win them. I want to hear my name. Unified champion. That's what I want to do. That's the dream. Yeah. And you stole it from her. You stole her moment. That's what happened. And it's not just one card. The fucking draw's a joke as well. Correct. Yeah. Listen, I watched it back. And at, at the time, I'd woke up on Sunday morning. And I'd just seen the results. That was the first thing I looked for. And I'd seen the results and thought, bastard. But when we previewed it on Thursday, I've got to be honest, and I, listen, you go back and watch Thursday's show, I was like, it might just come a bit too soon for Sandy. I think Jessica's aggression on the front foot might be a bit too much. Jessica McCaskill's a fighter. Sandy Ryan's a boxer. And I just think she's going to get tied up away from home, everything else, and the fight will catch up with her. And when I seen the draw, I thought, fucking good on you, Sandy. Good on you. And then I watched the fight. I watched the fight and I just I couldn't believe what I was watching. Because I, I honestly, I gave McCaskill a sniff in what the first two or three rounds. After mm. that, it was gone. Miles away. Even on the commentary team, they were like, right, okay. And by the way, quick interjection there. I think Sonny Edwards is my favorite pro boxer analyst across all commentary. Just He's tell fucking excellent. He's one of Absolutely us. excellent. He's excellent. Anyway. After two rounds, I'm like, that's it now, Sandy. You've got your range, kid. And I'm watching the fight and I'm going, fuck me. Sandy must gas here. She must just go because she's absolutely far too big, far too sharp, just far too better a boxer. You know, and, and listen, when you've got a good boxer against a good fighter, the sport ain't called fighting. It's called boxing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Generally, the boxer wins. And I thought, and I'm waiting and I'm like, round seven round dates and I'm like wait a minute let me have a little look at my scorecard because I've got Sandy McCaskill maybe one maybe one I could argue a shutout seven rounds in for Sandy Ryan McCaskill must do something fucking out of this world now and it doesn't happen Sandy Ryan completely runs away with the fight the 97-93 scorecard which was scored and we'll come back to this prick was scored in favour of Jessica McCaskill 96-94 no, there was a 97-93. The 96-94 was for Sandy Ryan. That guy oh, sorry, 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 yeah. Mike sorry, Ross. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Mike sorry. Ross's scorecard, 96-94 was for Sandy Ryan. The 97-93 yes. in favour of Jessica McCaskill, which is the wider scorecard by four rounds. I even thought that, the opposite way round, was generous. Yes, and I'm like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Obviously, when they said, when they read out, 97-93 in favour of McCaskill. I nearly choked on my Cocoa Pops. I was like, no, no way. But then obviously by then I was expecting it because I knew the score. I knew it was a draw. You're right, the draw, the 95-95 by Larry Lindenman is a horrific scorecard. 
but it completely and utterly gets cast in a shadow by the 97-93 in favour of McCaskill by Mark Streisland, Streisand, who is the who was from Florida. He's a local official. I looked down his record. He just, he's, he's done a lot of fights, but he never ever leaves Florida. And no. most of the fights he does are three, four, and five round fights. But again, that shouldn't go away from anything. Anyone with a pair of eyeballs watching that fight can see in the sport of boxing, Sandy Ryan took Jessica McCaskill to fucking school for 10 rounds. Fighters in championship fights, they have to start asking to see the judges pre-fight and they've got to ask them, what is your primary criteria for scoring? What are you looking for? And the reason why I say that is because winging away, hitting fresh air in arms, does not win you a fight. Yeah. Sandy Ryan, in my opinion, comfortably, you can maybe argue the other parts of this, but comfortably wins seven rounds by hitting and not getting it. Comfortably. You could probably argue eight, nine, maybe even ten. Mm-hmm. But comfortably, you can argue seven of those rounds she wins by hitting and not getting hit. If you score Jessica McCaskill's seven rounds, it's absolute incompetence and needs investigating for corruption. It's, in, it's impossible to score seven rounds to Jessica McCaskill. Impossible. Correct. You have to haul those judges in front of some commission, in front of some board to justify what the hell they're playing at. It didn't happen, mate. Well, well listen, in July, Marlon Esparza uh, won a 10-round majority decision against Gabriela Alans in the flyweight division, and it was a three-belt unification. And the WBO, Alans lobbied the WBO because it was a close fight, but one of the scorecards on there gave it nine rounds to one in favour of Marlon Esparza and Alan's, t- Alan's team went to the WBO and went, this is fucking outrageous. And they investigated it. One of the judges scored it a draw. Another one scored it 9-1. And they investigated it and they came back and went, you're right, we're ordering an immediate rematch. And that was the WBO. Now, the WBO sanctioned this fight, of course, because it was one of the four belts involved. Sandy's the WBO, bad, yeah, the WBO need to be lobbied by Sandy Ryan because anyone that has ever watched a boxing match, that has ever scored a boxing match, you don't need to be a boxing expert, can see that Sandy Ryan quite comprehensively and comfortably outboxed Jessica McCaskill over 10 rounds. And that scorecard by Mark Streisand, again, that is one of the worst scorecards of the year. And in fact, and people will be rejoicing when they hear this, that motherfucker's made the list. That guy has made the list of the worst piece of officiating of 2023. He now joins Christoph Fernandez, who scored the fight in favour of Kane against Baluta in March. He joins Javier Alvarez. Whoa, red flag there. Is that the same guy? Is that the same guy from the Esparza fight? It is. <gasps> Javier Alvarez, he's on here twice now. Motherfucker. He's on here from the 7th to the 8th. I'll update my records there. He's on here twice. Devin Haney's judge, Dave Moretti, absolutely horrific, given Devin Haney round number 10 against Lomachenko. Robert Tapper of Canada gave the fight 118-109 uh, to Pro Grays against Zarilla. 
and Joseph Mason gave it Cambosis 117-111 against Maxi Hughes. Mark Streisand joins that list. And 97-93 in favour of McCaskill, which basically forced the split draw. That is one of the worst scorecards imaginable. And I hope Sandy Ryan and her team lobby the WBO. Thankfully, the WBO, which is their belt previously, made well, it still is their belt, they should lobby them. WBO upheld the, re- the return with Esparza. They should absolutely be pushing for the return here. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. The big token point of the weekend for me, that scorecard yeah. is one of the worst, and that guy should be suspended pending an investigation. Mate, I'd even argue Barry Lindenman, 95-95, the scoring of round number seven could go on your list. Because I'd encourage anybody to go back and if you if, listen, if you don't want to watch the whole fight sound, go and watch round number seven. I remember sitting there thinking, like very similar to you. The start of that fight, Jessica McCaskill's got a very raw, rugged, winging style, hasn't she? And I yeah. thought Sandy, maybe the first two to three rounds was like, what the fuck is this? Right. Yeah. But she gets it eventually, gets that jab going, gets the range. And if you watch McCaskill carries on. She doesn't change anything. She wings away. She's hitting arms and fresh air. That's all she's doing. That's not scoring. We're looking for clean, effective work is what we're looking for. Bang, jab's beautiful. Lovely one-twos. Get back. Go on, miss again. Right, okay, here I come again. Bang, bang, bang. And that was the story of the whole fight. If you look at... I remember sat there going, she's in a range here now. And I remember looking at round number seven in particular... And I thought, fucking hell, Sandy, this is beautiful, mate. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. It was, an, an, okay, it's two minutes. And people will say two-minute rounds are really hard to score. And not when the other, not when one's not hitting and the other yeah. is. It's two minutes of the sweet science. Hit, do not get hit. Now, to the credit, to your man who you've just put on the list, he scores round seven in favour of Sandy Ryan. As does the judge who scores it 96-94. But this bugger... He's come along and he, the guy who scored at 95-95 scores that round to Jessica McCaskill. She don't fucking do a thing. Like I say, mate, there's, it's, it, it's absolute incompetence on the verge of corruption. You have to investigate it. There's no way, there's no way that you could score that fight a draw and absolutely no way that you can give seven rounds to Jessica McCaskill. No way. No. I, I was gobsmacked, and, and as I, I, want I keep, to, as, I, as I said, I wanted to start, watch it back last night. I wanted to watch it back last night because it was that bad, and I thought it can't have been as bad as I remember from a few hours ago. And then I went online and had a little look and read some stuff what people were saying about it, and was like, quite clearly, it was. It, it just absolutely horrific, and it's and it can't be incompetence. That's the problem. It cannot be incompetence because you can't sell that. You can't sell me that fight. Mark Streisand can't sit down with me and tell me Jessica McCaskill won seven rounds. There's absolutely no way on God's green earth that happens. So what does that mean then? What does that mean? It means something far more dangerous for the sport of boxing. Like you, like you said, mate, I really hope. I want, I want to be positive about Sandy Ryan for a moment. Oh, she was brilliant. She, she brilliant. was sensational. The corner team, the advice they were giving her. Calm the as game fuck. plan. Brilliant. She kept her cool. She stayed on the back foot. She she used the reach advantage. 
from the first round to the last round, she went to the body like a fucking prime Mike Tyson. She was brilliant. The game plan was there. Slow McCaskill down. Bring her hands down with body shots. Then clip it on the chin. We know what Sandy's like. Sandy loves a tear up. She loves a scrap. I actually thought in this fight, she'll try and box. She'll get, she'll get sucked yeah. in. McCaskill drag her into a war. She'll end up getting beat on naive experience. But she didn't. She kept to her boxing. She bops. She boxed like a unified champion of the world. And that's what she should be today. That should have been the opener to the show. That should be the fucking poster at the start of this episode. Sandy Ryan, undisputed champion of the world. Incredible. And instead... Unified. 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 Instead, <laughs> these guys are fucking stole out of way. These scorecards, this corruption that's in the sport has stole out of way from her. I'd say, get it back to Britain. Get it back on British soil. But f- listen, we're not here to just throw stones. Fucking as bad as some of the cards that have come in from great British judges in recent yeah. times are terrible as well. It's it's not just a Florida State Athletic Commission thing. This no, is right it? across the whole sport. It's a boxing thing. It's fucked. But I would I love to. I- like, genu- Here's a genuine question, and I guarantee you get three different answers. If you sat down with Barry Lindemann, Mike Ross... And Mark Streisand this morning. I just said, you score a fight using what criteria? What, what do you look for? What you, you, you That's off, why I said it. Yeah. Are you going off the IBOs, WBA, WBC, WBO, or the Florida Commission? Whose scoring criteria are you using to score a fight? And I guarantee you get three different answers. I guarantee there'll be a lot of, well, well I like this. And there lies the fundamental problem with this sport. It can't be a there lies this. We talked about it on the MMA show last week, in case you missed it. There was a controversial scorecard delivered in a title fight in the UFC. And straight away, the same week, the California State, no, Nevada State Athletic Commission got two of the three judges. One of them was unavailable. Two of the three judges. Only enough, it was the one that put in the dodgy card that wasn't unavailable. They got them in. They looked at the unified scoring criteria as defined in the unified rules of mixed martial arts. They looked at the criteria. They got some independent bodies in as well. The judges that were there sat down. They reviewed the fight. They reviewed the round of controversy. They made it. Then they came out with, this was all within a week. They came out with a statement and said, unfortunately, that judge scored that round wrong. It was incorrect. We're going to address it with him personally, privately. We're going to talk to him about it, educate him. And we are, but they publicly came out and said that round was scored wrong, which mm. now opens the door for the UFC to go, well, we're going to run it back because even the commission have said there's a problem there. The issue you've got here with boxing is who does that investigation? Florida Athletic Commission, IBO, WBA, WBC, or the WBO? Because I'll tell you now, all of them have got a different scoring criteria. And that's why there's a gray area. And that's why... We have fucking stupid conversations with officials who go, well, I, I like this and you like that. I like defense. I have a, an imaginary glass of water which you fill up like this. It's fucking bonkers how sport, how this sport is officiated. When you're talking about, maybe not necessarily this fight, but some fights are worth tens of millions of dollars. Mate, this is the Unified World Championship. Doesn't get any bigger than this. Doesn't get any bigger than this fight. And now Sandy Ryan's going to have to do it all over again. That's if 
they can get McCaskill back in a ring. Because McCaskill might fucking run a mile away. Horrific. Absolutely horrific. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, if Sandy or any of a team uh, are listening to the show, I'm sure that we can speak on the majority of our audience. <sighs> Mate, fantastic. Fantastic performance. In our eyes, you're the unified champion. Fingers crossed that you get to realise that dream one day and get to hear some ring announcer announce that because you absolutely deserve it. What a performance that was. Well done. But you know what? And turn off if you're still listening, Sandy. She might get Jack Catterall to fuck as well. Jack Catterall should have been the unified champion of the world. Where is he now? While the rest of the belts are being fought and on pay-per-views around the world. Where's Jack Catterall now? This sport's fucking horrible, man. Can be horrible. Uh, anyway... Which one do you want first? Conor Ben's comeback or Richardson Hitchens and Joseph Zapita? I want to talk about Richardson Hitchens. I want to stay on the positive notes. Like, I want to ride the crest of a wave of Sandy Ryan's performance into Richardson Hitchens because I stand by the fact on Thursday we were right. This was a test. This yeah. was a step up. Zapita is no fucking joke. Zapita's proven himself to be a legit world title contender. Okay, he's fallen short, but he's absolutely right up there in this weight class and Richardson Hitchens in the biggest test of his career so far was almost flawless or it he was fucking sensational won every round looked incredible you know like McCaskill did, did Zapata win the first round maybe maybe not it was close but after that Mr Hitchens just went right kid watch this and it was the it was the absolute it was just a masterclass. It was the performance that the kid must have gone to bed dreaming about. That's what you want to do against a former world title contender when you're the main event for the first time on a big show. There's a lot of eyeballs because of the bullshit that's below you. Everything else, what can you do on the bigger stage against a legit dude? And what he did is he stepped up and he looked incredible, incredible. I was so impressed. Um, what do you do with him next, do you think? The the problem is it's such a ferocious weight division. Ironically, there we've just mentioned Jack Cattrall. I think yeah. it would be a sensational fight for Hitchens to get the unofficial, the people's unified champion next, because nobody else, clearly nobody else in the world wants to fight him. So Hitchens maybe going in that direction, both being under the zone, would be a, a bold move from him. I What's would say for Jack. Exactly. It's it's a move to it's a it's a bold step for Hitchens, but exactly what does it do for for, for Jack Cattrall? Um, listen, there's plenty of stellar names in this weight class, certainly over in the US as well. You know, you've got Russell Jr., you've got Barbosa Jr., you've got, at the top of the tree, you've got Lopez Prograde. It looks like Lopez is going to fight Ryan Garcia, but you've still got Pedraza. O'Hara Davis is in the mix these days. There's so many great fights. Brandon Lee, that's a huge fight. You know, Brandon Lee was one of my ones to watch a few years yeah, ago. Was, yeah. Still undefeated. Massive puncher. Honestly, this division has took a little bit of a seismic, seismic shift recently, especially with Taylor leaving and whatever else. This has become a very US-heavy division. So there's yeah. a lot of big fights out there. An awful lot of big fights. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do, do with them next. Slick operator. Seems, he seems a nice kid as well. I watched a few of his interviews throughout the course of uh, of the week. He seems to have that little bit of X factor 
about him as yeah. well. When the microphone's stuck in his face, he see, he seems to know what he's doing, and obviously he knows what he's doing when the, he steps on a ring apron. Um, yeah, congratulations to him. Um, oh, that like you know what might be a, an interesting fight. I've just pulled his name up then because I remember the. He lost his last one, but he was kind of like the next arm. Montana Love might be an interesting fight. I think he's still with the zone, isn't he? He's still with Matchroom. That'd be an interesting fight for both of them. But yeah, Hitchens. It was unfortunately for Hitchens, he's got overshadowed by two two absolutely horrific scorecards. But it, again, you know, for us it would have been Sandy Ryan's breakthrough fight. But this was Richard Hitchens for me. Richardson Hitchens' breakthrough performance. He's a legit guy. He's a legit contender. Has he got the power? We're going to find out down the line, but he's certainly got the skills. Yeah. Um, now, take away the cloud of controversy. I know it's very difficult to do so when, uh, obviously, we've been speaking about it for the last 12 months. Uh, but Conor Ben, for a lad that's been out of the ring for 18 months, looks all right. Looks all right. Um, obviously, you've got to take into consideration the level of opponent. The opponent is pretty poor. He didn't move his head, did he? He only moved his head when Conor hit it. Simple as. Uh, Orozco is a very, very tough dude. He's never been stopped before. I've seen loads of people online obviously going, oh, the power's gone. Hang on a minute. He's fighting a dude that has never been stopped. Yes, he's lost fights, Orozco. He's quite evidently a very tough fella. Um, and obviously he comes from Mexican heritage. They're a different breed. But if you judge um, what Connor did, if you judge the style of it, if you judge the shot selection, all those types of things. For a guy, like I said, who's been out of the ring for 18 months, we haven't seen him compete for that period of time. I thought he looked okay. Um, and like I said, you do take into consideration the level uh, uh, of opponent. What did you make of his performance, first and foremost, before we get stuck into, the, obviously, the politics of him actually fighting? I didn't watch it. Out of protest? Know. Or you just couldn't be asked? I don't know. I'd, I'd love to be honest. I'd love to say it was out of protest. I would love to say that. I would love you to didn't say have an interest for it until he clears his name. I won't be watching Connor Ben. I'd love to try to take that righteous approach and pretend that's where my head's at. I don't. I don't know whether that is where my head's at. Maybe it is. I just when I got up Sunday morning, I, I jumped on the Sandy Ryan, and then I thought, right, I was, I was, I was fuming. But then I watched the Ammo Williams. I watched Richardson Hitchens, and my finger was. Hover, you know, I, I went past Ben and came back to him. And, and then I was like, do I want to watch Conor Ben, you know, beat a guy up that, you know, isn't isn't at his level? Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it was a horrific matchup. It was probably the right level of opponents for a, for a lad that's been out for 18 months. I, I'm not having a pop of his opponents. And the, the, the 10 rounds that he'd gone under his belt... If you're in the Conor Ben business, it was probably the best case scenario. That you know he needs rounds and whatever else. But I, my, my thumb hovered over the replay button, and I and I was just I couldn't bring myself to put it on. You know, I, listen. Had it been had he had he won by sensational knockouts, had there been ups and downs, had it been a you know that kind of a fight, and the, the headlines have been like, oh, oh, Ben overcomes the scare to sensational or Conor Ben, you know, knockout was career. Maybe I'd have watched it then. Maybe it was because it was a 10 rounds points decision. And I was thinking, do I want to spend 30 minutes of my day, of my Sunday, watching a guy that I believe shouldn't be in the boxing ring, that I maintain should not be inside the squared circle, earning money in this sport when he's, he still hasn't cleared his name? 
And I, I, again, that sounds like me being righteous. And that's how, oh, Nick Nick's said he will never watch Conor Ben until he clears his name. No. I, and me hand on heart, I don't think he ever will clear his name. I think he's going to have this, they'll, they're going to skip around it and they're going to dodge it. And eventually, you know, the right, the right person will get the right envelope in the right direction. And it'll be like, oh, we're going to backdate the ban. And, for, and it was only a year and now he's cleared anyway and he can go back to business. And then, that, then maybe then I will watch him. Maybe when the Eubank fight gets confirmed for December 23rd and <laughs> and it goes on and a buckle, maybe then I, I will be watching Conor Ben. So I'm not saying I'm being this big righteous. I just think right now, with just four days for me to emotionally and physically digest it, I just didn't feel in the right frame of mind to watch a guy that I've openly been very critical of over the last 12 months step into a boxing ring when he's got absolutely, in my opinion, got absolutely no business being there. He failed two drug tests a year ago, two. And he just straight back in a boxing ring. Okay, there's been an awful lot of noise, but there's been very little action. And yeah, so I didn't watch I, it. Hand on heart, okay. I didn't watch it. Okay, I, I completely understand where you're at. And I'm sure there's a lot of people watching this and listening to this that are maybe in that have those similar feelings. But I think, as we said on, on last week's show, mate, this is a system problem, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the, the, the system's there to be played. Don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's where my head was at, you know. Um, the system absolutely has 100% been played like a fiddle. You can't necessarily blame the players because that is what has been presented to them. And... Of course, there's the sheer contempt of which they hold the sport. I get that. And you think to yourself, fucking hell, come on, man. Read the room, everybody. Read the room. And they've absolutely not done that. So I can understand how people's emotions are affected in that way. Um, but I did. I, I, I tuned in to, to, to watch him because even though I have a major problem with the situation, as a fighter, Conor Ben was exciting. I remember a guy, and okay, people go, yeah, but it's because he was doing this, this, and this. Okay, I get that. I get that. But the eye test, if you remember when Conor Ben, before this situation, he was exciting. He did have you on the edge of your seat. He said he was brilliant in press conferences. He was brilliant post-fight. He delivered once the bell went. And I wanted to watch to see where he was at. Let's see where he is at. Let's see what the situation is. And okay, there's shapes and shadows there that he does throw and it does look pretty at certain points. But again, I come back to my assessment two minutes ago. The opponent's very limited. The opponent didn't move. It was the perfect opponent to kind of style off against. Um, could he have done with a ferocious knockout? Yeah, he could have done with a ferocious knockout because that sends tongues wagging and obviously gets people excited about what might come in the, in the not-too-distant future. It wasn't to be. It went 10 rounds. Orozco was incredibly tough, uh, and he could take everything that Conor Ben uh, threw at him. Does it change my opinion of the situation? Absolutely not. Does it change my opinion of where I think Conor Ben can go as a professional? Absolutely not. Um, so it's a little bit of a much of a muchness. You've just flagged something up there that I wanted to bring up to our, to our audience today. Um, of how this might all get resolved. Because it has to be at some point. There has to be a point where everybody just goes, oh, fuck it, we're moving on, right? Mm -hmm. Now, 
It has not passed us by that the 23rd of September 2022 is the date that Conor Ben, Matchroom and the British Boxing Board of Control were notified by voluntary anti-doping of the second failed drug test. 23rd of September 2023 is when Conor Ben, coincidentally, steps back into a professional boxing ring for hand-to-hand combat. Exactly one year to the day since that second failed drug test notification. Now, okay, we've got a situation right now where the British Boxing Board of Control and UK anti-doping are in appeals process against the independent panel's ruling that Conor Ben's provisional suspension should be lifted. Obviously, the British Boxing Board of Control and UK anti-doping disagree with that ruling, and that's why they're appealing it. As we said on the show last week, and as I've said on countless different platforms over the last week or so, very rarely, when you're talking about legal systems, very rarely do appeal processes work in favour of those that are appealing. You get to go and present your stuff, and then they say, yeah, but we've already gone through this with these guys over here, and we've already ruled on it, and we're kind of sticking by our ruling. So I personally believe that the appeals process will fail. British Boxing Board of Control will not, and UK Anti-Doping will not win their appeals process in this particular case. And then they have a situation then, don't they? Because if they can't do anything, they look weak as piss. They look not fit for purpose. British Boxing Board of Control, UK What's the point? If you can't rule over a drug test for a fight that you were sanctioning... What's the fucking point in you? Mm-hmm. So there might be, and again, I'm spitballing here. There has to be something that appeases everybody, that moves everybody forward. Because as Eddie Hearn has said on countless occasions in public, they are now going to work towards making Connor Ben Chris Eubank Jr. That's what they're going to work towards. For me, that fight doesn't work anywhere else other than on British soil. That's where the commercial value is. Yes, you could probably take it to the Middle East and you'll get a site fee for it, but you're not fucking filling a stadium. Nobody's asked. The, the, the eyeballs are here. This is where the fan base is. This is where people are bothered about it. So therefore, in order to do that, you've got to get the thumbs up from the British Boxing Board of Control. Whether that be ticking off a Texas State Athletic Commission license to be able to fight on British soil or issuing a British Boxing Board of Control license to said fighter that you've had a problem with. Now, There has to be appeasement. There has to be a situation where everybody comes out of it, not smelling of roses, because they're not going to smell of roses at all. Nobody's going to smell of roses. We're going to still pick holes in it. But everybody's got to have have a piece of the pie, let's just say. I would not be surprised, given the information that I've given you, that there will be an acceptance of a backdated ban. Do you remember the Tyson Fury situation? Tyson Fury and the British Boxing Board of Control and UK Anti-Doping were at loggerheads for ages. And the real truth of that was financial. We can't take this dude to court. We ain't got deep enough pockets, man. We we cannot fight this anymore. We are going out of business. Now, you're making us look like dicks. I'll tell you what. Shall we just issue a two-year backdated ban? We shake hands. You walk that way. I walk this way. And we'll allow you to fight in Great Britain again. What do you reckon? Mm -hmm. Sweet. I would not be surprised if there is a similar situation about to come our way. Mm-hmm. If there is a shaking of hands and saying, I tell you what, you've been out of the ring. We could backdate this for one year. It should be four, possibly two. Tech one. Shake, shake, shake. Nice one, lads. I tell you what, we'll tick off that Texas uh, 
boxing license. You can fight on British soil if you want. And they all move forward and you get Ben Eubank Jr. by the end of the year. That's what I think will happen. Listen, I'm not saying that that will be absolute. I'm guessing, completely guessing. But that's how I think that this is going to play out. Yeah. Completely agree with you. Completely agree. Which is a shit job. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Wembley. Went to Wembley at weekend. Went to Wembley at weekend. I had the best season in the house because I was in my house. I wasn't at Wembley. And, and I had, in fact, I was at a friend's house. It was mega. We watched, I watched Everton win, which made my wife happy. That was incredible. You know, it just goes to show. That's unusual for them to win. Pigs, isn't it? pigs can fly. Pigs can fly. <laughs> then we watched um, Ireland versus South Africa in the rugby. Brilliant. And then we turned over and watched uh, Anthony Yard and then Joe Joyce. Perfect. Perfect. There was no need to go back and watch anything else on Sunday. So I circumnavigated what we tipped on Thursday and what absolutely led. I told you on Thursday, I said the Frank Warren home corner, a 10 fight accumulator against them will probably give you negative money in return. And as it proved... Every single person in the Frank Warren corner prior to the main event, at least, uh, was a washout or a stoppage winner. So uh, so I swerved the bullet there. I swerved the bullet. So I bet it was a long night, pal, building towards got... one yeah. fight. Yeah, you know. Watched a bit of Bellator yeah. <laughs> whilst yeah. I was sat there. <laughs> Listen, I'm not let's get, into, let's get in to the main event, right? Because... Because that's the only thing I'm able to that's talk about. The story. Listen, <laughs> yeah. this is the story. This is the story. Uh, yes, Zhang doing his thing against uh, Joe Joyce uh, mm. once again. And if you listen to us last week, we were pointing in this direction. Of course, there was. Oh, he's coming in at twenty stone on Wayne. There does that. Does that change this? Does that change that? But even Zhang coming in just shy of twenty-one stone, you think to yourself, "You've second guessed this, mate." Fair enough. Um, and Zhang, without any shadow of a doubt, was the favourite uh, going in uh, to this bout. Joe would have to do something that we haven't seen Joe do in his whole professional career. And that is kind of change his style up a little bit and obviously deal with that uh, Southpaw, Southpaw situation that caused him so much problems the first time around. Now, <clears throat> the way that he decided to, uh, to deal with uh, Zhang was go left. That was it. Yeah. Go left. Now, if you are taking, with all due respect, right, if you are taking on a geezer that has been to the very top of the amateur game, snaffled himself a silver medal at the Olympic Games, and he's quite an astute pro, in my opinion, beat Filip Ergovic, didn't get the decision, um, and has already beaten you on one occasion, he kind of knows what he's doing. He's a bit longer in the tooth, is Jerry uh, Zhang, 40 years mm-hmm. of age. And if you're just going to go left, you're going to make it quite predictable for him to be able to deliver something devastating. Now, after the first round, in fact, I'll even go shorter than that, about a minute in, two minutes in, I I nudged uh, part of the commentary team. Gareth was sat next to me. I nudged him and I went, he's fucked. And Gareth's like, no, I I like what he's doing. And I went, mate, he's going to get knocked out. Because he looked tentative, did Joe? Incredibly tentative. And by just going left and that you'd be in your only force, 
form of defence to avoid that long backhand from the southpaw, you are literally walking onto a right hand at some point. You're walking straight onto it. Now, first three minutes, it's, it's nice and tentative. Nothing happens. And on the very rare occasion... Jean Gazalok. Mate, very, very rare occasion, I, could, I, was, I was tempted to score a 10-10. I hate 10-10s, but I'm sat there going, oh, for fuck's sake, they're not doing anything. This is, I can't just give somebody a round here. Right, it might be a 10-10. Second round, Jean goes, figured this out, lads. Right, yeah, I'll watch this. And off he goes. Off he goes. And if you watch that six minute, well, it's not even six minute, in it? Yeah, it is. It's right at the end of the third round when he knocks him out. So that six mm-hmm. minute period, if you watch it, all Zhang is doing is setting himself a trap. That is all he's doing. The majority of people are looking at the left hand. Zhang knew. Zhang knew in the second round. Left hand's not going to get him because he's scared shitless of the, sec- uh, of, the, of the left hand. I battered him with that once already earlier on in the year. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to do, I'm going to walk him onto this right hand that he's not looking at. Yeah. So there we go. There. And if you look at the finish, he throws the left hand. He ain't throwing it to hit him. He's throwing it to move him. He throws that left hand. Joe sees it coming, moves to that side. And before Joe's even started moving, those hips are cocked. And that right hand's coming right over the top of the lead left, mate. It's an absolute howitzer. It's tremendous. Tremendous from a technical point of view. uh, Tremendous from a setup point of view. And obviously, the visual of it is viral. Jinjie Lee has just fucking announced himself as maybe the biggest problem in the heavyweight division. Left hand, southpaw stance, tough as fuck, and can knock dudes out that have never been knocked out before wow awesome from Zhang's perspective you're right this was his arrival this was confirmation now it wasn't lightning in the bottle it wasn't a flute last time around anything of that nature he is and the finish you're right to pick up on it the finish proved it he is the real deal he is what we thought Joe Joyce was he's one of the best five top five heavyweights on the planet that finish was absolutely sensational sensational and he sniffed it midway through the first round I couldn't agree with you more my notes say exactly the same thing I think Zhang come out in that first round going right I couldn't do anything wrong in the first fight because you were so easy to hit this it was almost embarrassing come on then you show me why you're ranked of and thought of so highly former Olympic silver medalist like me come on then Joe show me what you've got in this in the rematch what have you got different and stepping left, it was almost, I almost expected Zhang to burst out laughing and go, oh, somebody's stepping left against the southpaw. Oh, I've never seen that before. Isn't that amazing? Joe Joyce in both fights, the lack of awareness on how to t- handle a southpaw was just incredible for someone that's been at the top of the sport, both amateur and pro. For his, his lack of ability against the Southpaw was like schoolboy stuff. Mm-hmm. He literally didn't know how to open Zhang up at all. And then when you add in the mix of Joe Joyce suddenly for the first time in his life, questioning his biggest asset, Joe Joyce's biggest asset throughout his career has been that, has been the fact that he knows I can take a shot. And if I have to take one to get it to where I need to be, I'll set a pace and I'll catch up with you later on. And he's always had that. And in this fight, he had no confidence in his own chin. 
He was every time Zhang hit him clean, Joe Joyce's legs would wobble, his head would go back, he would do a little dance, he would shake. We've never seen that from Joe Joyce before. We haven't seen that since the end of the last fight. But his reaction every time Zhang landed just spoke volumes about where Joe Joyce is. Now, unfortunately for Joe, to, to lose to any heavyweight at the top of this division at this stage of his career, 38 years of age, when we're getting so few heavyweight title fights as we are, is one thing. But to be stripped of your best asset and losing your chin isn't necessarily a physical thing. It's a mental thing. You know, being becoming chinny doesn't mean that one day you you one solid jaw suddenly has fractures right through it. The fractures aren't in the bone of your jaw. The fractures are in your brain. Your brain makes a conscious decision of we can't take these shots anymore. We can't get hurt like we got hurt before. And as soon as Yang seen the whites of Joe Joy's, Joyce's eyes and seen the reaction he had when he just let that, again, the right jab go, snappy jab. The speed was way too much. Joe Joyce couldn't handle the speed of Zhang. When you've got that much speed, on top of that, you've got that much weight. Like, we were all like, weigh-ins. I was like, yes, Joe, yes, Joe. Stone heavier than you were before. 280 pounds, whatever it was. 20 stone, fucking sensational stuff, mate. Nice and big. Meet the monster head on. Monster versus monster. Sound. And then Zhang weighed in. And a career heaviest, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Zhang's double bluffed everyone. Zhang's, oh, Joe Joyce coming in. You're all saying Joe Joyce coming in heavier. I'll come in heavier then. So the disparity in weight, Joe was like, I've caught up with you. And Zhang was like, see ya. Because Zhang knew you're going to come in heavy. That means you're going to be slower. That means you're going to load up on your plan is to be able to take a shot better and be able to throw more weight behind your punches. Well, guess what? I'll come in even bigger again. And I'll have even more weight behind my punches. And when he landed with Jones, with Joe, Joyce's brain, Already going, oh shit, don't let him land clean. Oh my God, he's landed clean. We're going again. Zhang pounced on that. And by the end of the first round, I was the same as you. I looked across to, to, to my wife and I was like, honestly, put that iPad down. Stop shopping. This fin the finish is coming now. It's coming right now because Zhang is like a shark with the blood, blood in his nostrils He's going to smash Joe Joyce to bits in this round. It didn't come in the second. It ended up coming in the third. But for Zhang's point of view, let's start with Zhang. He's arrived now. He's the guy. Hmm. What you do with him now? You know, hmm. Frank, Frank, brilliantly played by Frank Warren. It's the old Don King, isn't it? Come in with the champ, leave with the champ. He come in with the champ, he left with the champ. That's, that's boxing. Whether you like it or not, that's boxing. Zhang is a serious player in this weight division, a serious player because he's got size, southpaw, and he's technically very, very good. That finish, believe me, that will be a knockout of the year candidate come the end of the year, if not the knockout of the year. It was fucking sensational. So what do you do him? Well, I think Frank is intelligent enough to keep him away from Dubois. You don't want to go down that road. If it's possible, you chase AJ. Even if it means putting Zhang on the zone, I would chase AJ because that's the scalp that unlocks a wilder fight, a Fury. Then you do a Fury super fight. And you see if AJ, you know, if you can get it on home soil. Eddie's already mentioned it. We'd love to do a fight with AJ. Sound, man. If I was Frank Warren, I'd be like, sound. You can have it on the zone. Our only requirement is 
It happens in the Far East. Stick it on in a bigger casino in China. That's all we want. And you guys can put it on your DAZN channel. Because I think right now, Zhang is all wrong for fucking pretty much everybody. Unless your name's Tyson Fury. Even Usyk, man. Usyk's a bit... I know Usyk's incredibly talented, Southpaw. But that's a big motherfucker who throws intelligent punches. He's not predictable. He's not robotic. He's fast and he's big and he's heavy. Zhang is a real problem for anybody. Everybody. So, yeah, that's it. If I was Frank, I'd be like, come on, Ed. As long as it's in China, you can have it. <clears throat> yeah, we've got a weird situation at the top of the division, don't we? This crazy bottleneck that's holding everybody up. Obviously, Fury and Usyk. I think every single fight fan wants to see that fight. I know that you've lost your patience with whether you're seeing it or not. But I still think a lot of us hold hope in, in being able to make that happen. Um, and then you've got, obviously, AJ and Wilder underneath that. Yeah. And then you've got this fella. So he has to fight one of those. I mean, listen, I said in the immediate aftermath, can you imagine Zhang against Wilder? Just be amazing. I think it would be absolutely tremendous. I think it would do Vegas. I think it would do China. I think it would do whatever. I think both guys are up for it. I think both guys are willing to travel. It's a fight that would absolutely be clambering. Um, but there's history between AJ and Zhang. Exactly. They fought in the amateurs. AJ's, uh, AJ beat him. He put him on his ass. Yeah. AJ's at that stage of his career where... <clears throat> it, was it was probably AJ's best win on his Olympic run in at London 2012. It was his absolutely. most convincing performance. Absolutely. And you look at, obviously, AJ 2.0. And again, he absolutely could outbox Yang. And yeah. people think I'm mad in saying that. He absolutely could. He's a big athletic heavyweight. He's in and out. Okay, he doesn't let his hands go when he gets there, but he's doing enough right now to point score off people in order to, to win. He's got better feet than Zhang, I would say, just about, even though he does move in straight lines. But the key that you've just said there is that Zhang's just not a big lummoxing robot. He's very clever. He's very, very clever. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant matchup, mate. A brilliant matchup. Um, but I, I just don't know if they'll make it. I don't know if they'll shove it over the line. It'll be a shame because I think it'd be a. I think commercially, what makes more hell. money? What makes more money, AJ Wilder or AJ Zhang? AJ Zhang in China. I think fuck, so as well. Yeah, mate. Fucking yeah. hell! That is an absolute monster. Especially because AJ beat him in London, and it's like, okay, let me let's do the rematch in your home. You know what I mean? In your home, like absolutely. The marks on behind it, the selling of it would be fucking insane. AJ Zhang in China, commercially, is is gigantic, gigantic, and it's a for for us that are just into the sport element of it and fuck the business. It's a super competitive fight. It's not one of them where you go, oh, Zhang will batter him. Nah, come on, man. AJ will fuck. Nah. This is a super, super competitive fight. Talking about two of the top five. Yeah. Bit of history. Oh, mate. Yeah. And like you said, there's, there's things, confidence and things have changed since that first bout. Where's AJ at? Zhang is super confident right now. He'll be fancying it. AJ will fancy it because he's got history with the dude, but it's a different version of AJ this time coming into the second. Mate, yeah. it's an awesome, awesome fight. Awesome plus, fight. Plus, plus you sprinkle in. I, I'm with you. I thought Jan beat Hergovic, but he lost a lot of rounds. It was a close fight. Yeah, I think he, he, it. 
So there's a blueprint there on how to beat him. There's a yeah. in my opinion, almost did it. So so yeah, I I I, I think it's a really interesting conversation to go right without Saudi location money, and we spoke about that the other day, and now Frank has seemingly got it locked down now, and Eddie's come out and gone, it looks like it ain't going to be Saudi. Where, where are we going to do Wilder? Do we do it at Wembley? Well, you're going to have to wait until at least, you know, spring of next year because of the weather. So then you look at Las Vegas. Well, AJ's only had one fight in America. It didn't exactly go to plan. Is he a name? Is he a big enough name in America? Is Wilder a big enough name in America for those guys to attract the kind of eyeballs that will generate the kind of money they might want? Or is there a genuine conversation with China and the site fee potential in China and the pay-per-view element of a Chinese home audience that may well generate more cash in a fight that AJ's already got to win over the guy anyway? So... Me, honestly, fascinating, fascinating to see what comes next in that. That because again, as much as Frank walked out with Zhang, I think to get AJ in the ring, if they said you can have it, but it's got to be in China, I think that would be a really studious, studious move by Frank Warren to go, Sam, man, you have it for your network, but mate, we want home advantage this time. That's how it'll sell. <sighs> oh, fuck me. Yeah, it's, it's Mega. A From a Zhang point of view, sensational. He's moving forward. Again, I think he's top five now. I, I would I think he's nudged probably Andy Ruiz out of the way or, or Joe Joyce if you if you if Joe was still in your in your top five. I think he's now up there with Usyk, with Fury, with AJ, yeah. with Wilder, and Zhang for me is the fifth player in there. And they're the they're the big fights in the heavyweight division. Any permutation of them, I'm kind of happy with, of course. Now, obviously, that means one thing that Joe Joyce is no longer ranked in in anyone's top five, because clearly it wasn't lightning in a bottle. Clearly he came up against the better fighter and he, and he's been found out that I could live with. If I was Joe Joyce, 38 years of age, well, Zhang's 40 and Joe Joyce, this was only his 17th professional fight. So what does come tomorrow? And I've seen Frank's got a lot of criticism for his comments afterwards. We said, listen, Joe might want to retire. And a lot of fans have gone, fucking hell, you're supposed to be his promoter. You're supposed to be his guy. You're supposed to support him. For me, to be honest, I can't believe people haven't picked up on the fact that, yeah, man, Frank gets money when Joe fights. For him to go, he might retire. It for me it was kind of Frank showing a little bit of empathy. Do you know what I mean? To go like, I'm putting him under no pressure. It's his decision. Because Joe Joyce now has to look himself in the mirror and go, right, stripped of my biggest quality, stripped of the one element that made me me, with that gone, what have I got left to offer? Mm. What else can I produce inside the ring? Because rather like spewing it in there, when you get knocked out like that for the first time, it ain't the last time. It ain't going to be the last time. Because again, it's not about that. It's about that. And Joe Joyce has been stopped on his feet and now made to kiss the canvas in a knockout loss that will truly resonate to his bones. And I, I hate to say it because I've kind of fallen in love with Joe Joyce over yes, this sir. journey he's taken us on. Never had the, never ever swerved a tough fight. 16 fights, all of them competitive. Big step ups at the right time. Been the underdog in fights, come through adversity. His, his 16 fight record is such something he can be absolutely incredibly proud of. 17 fight, something he can be incredibly proud of. What a great run he had. 
But I'm sorry, I can't see how he comes back from a loss like that because it's gone now. Yeah. The reputation has gone. The <laughs> guy you can't knock out, he can be knocked out. And it's more in Joe's brain than anyone else's where that's a problem. I would have no issue. And I'm a I'm a pundit, I'm a journalist. I've got no bit it's not my it's not up to me to retire any man. But I think Joe Joyce is I think his career is over. That's my overriding feeling too. Um, a couple of other points that people have brought up to me in the immediate aftermath was, um, do they regret the risk of taking on Zhang? No, let's stop talking this bollocks. If you love boxing and you want more competitive matches, you should be encouraging the attitude of Joe Joyce. It didn't go right. He got beat twice but you should be encouraging what he did. He wanted to fight and he wanted to fight the best guys. And he stepped up time and time again, like Nick's just said there, regarding his resume, he's taken some tough fights along yeah. the way. Proper fights. Stepping in with the likes of Joseph Parker. Give us a great night that night, didn't he? The, there was always risk against Zhili Zhang, even though Joe was a favourite going into it. That was based on what he'd done previously. There was always a risk. It, it didn't work. I don't want other fighters to be looking at this now. Well, well, Joe risked it and look what happened to him. His career's fucked. Mm -hmm. Nah. We as fans of this sport should be absolutely supporting the decision of Joe Joyce for taking on Jilly Zhang and then getting straight back in with him and trying to do it again. And again, it, it, it falls short. So from that point of view, I support it and fingers crossed other fighters are looking at it and go, do you know something? Sometimes you've got to take a little bit of a risk every now and again to see if you can propel forward. Just imagine if he'd have beaten him. Just imagine if he would have turned it round. We're now talking about the other aspects of what Joe Joyce could be doing and who he could be getting in with. We're trying to get him in with AJ, aren't we? We're trying to get him in with Wilder once again. That's what we're trying to do. That's at the fine line of these decisions. And I fully support those decisions to continue going forward from the promoters uh, and the fighters. Yeah, One thing that the, the difference there as well, you know, I'm on record previously of saying that I think David Price going straight back in with Tony Thompson was a mistake. The difference then was David Price was dominating domestically and it was kind of his first foray into serious international waters. Tony Thompson being a former world title contender and a, and a wily old veteran. And I, I didn't like that fight when it was made in the first place. And then Pricey got beat. And then they decided to go straight back in. And I was like, don't go straight back in with him. He was all wrong for you. It was the wrong step in the wrong direction. Sit, go this way. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're trying to get to the top. Go this way. Because Pricey was fragile in certain areas and needed to grow. and need to build his confidence. This is different. That was very early in his, again, Pricey was building his career at that stage. Joe's at the top. You know what I mean? What comes after Zhang, a Zhang victory? Well, it's either Fury or a Tusik. Yeah. The, the, do you know what I mean? You're at the very top. So when you're at the very top, if you're not beating the guys who are, you know, standing alongside you, if you can't beat the guys in front of you, you've got to beat the guys standing alongside you. And then you're just going back all the way back down there. You're conning yourself. And Joe Joyce never did that once in his career. Not once in his career that Joe Joyce, once he started getting the ball rolling, that I see him have a fight where I went, oh, fucking hell, that's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a shitty fight. That's a gimme fight. That's a nothing yes, fight. He never did that once in his entire career. So why would he start now? And okay, he became the victim a little bit at the start of the year because it was like, yeah, Fiori and Usyk, they're talking, it's going to happen. All right, okay, well, I'll fight this Zhang then. Oh, Fiori Usyk's off now. And Joe was like, well, I'm fighting Zhang, I'm fighting Zhang. Do you know what I mean? He could have easily gone, well, pull the brakes on all this, fucking take the posters down. That's not happening. All right, well, I'm in the conversation then. What's happening now? 
So he didn't. He cracked on because that's just the person he is. So I won't, I won't tear strips off him for that. No. It's devastating to watch because we came that close with Joe and it was an incredible story. And you could argue now, well, Fury have done that to him. Yeah, you may be right. Yeah, yeah. Usyk might have danced around him. You may well be right. He's he's a big underdog in both those yeah. fights. Had Zhang beat Hergovic and Zhang got signed by Matchroom and Hergovic got stepped to the side and Joe been maxed with Hergovic in April. Hegovic hasn't got the power to do that to Joe. Maybe his life story might have gone differently, but that's all shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah. Joe Joyce has got nothing in his 17 fights to be embarrassed about. He took his shot. He stepped up. He had a fucking good go, and he got to the he's got to the top five in the world, and then he's fallen short from there. There's no shame in that whatsoever. No. Do you think that Team Daniel Dubois have made a phone call today? To say, if he is fighting on, I want the rematch. Yeah, potentially. Potentially, yeah. I think it's a risky fight for both of them. Uh, my my fear now is that Joe's... Joe's... The the the, the magic's gone now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me at all, to be honest with you. It's a, yeah. It'd be a good comeback fight for Dubois. You yeah. could argue it's a good comeback fight for Joyce. It makes sense. But it's all about Joe. It's all about what's between Joe's ears. The Dubois going to Poland and fight an Usyk fight, in my opinion, was just about the experience anyway. He was never going to beat Alexander Usyk, in my honest opinion. I yeah. think his team in the heart of hearts knew that as well. But it's a win-win situation, especially because they got a moment out of it where they're able to you know, sing from the rooftops about it. So they can really rehabilitate him from that shutout loss by going, you were robbed there, kid. And his confidence stays up. The difference here is, how do you pick Joe Joyce up off the floor now when the when the magic's gone from him? The ready black glow has gone. That's that's yeah. going to be the hard part. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Arb was also on this card. Uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts. What do you do with him next? What do you do with Anthony Yard yet? You knew what he was doing at the weekend. He was knocking over a bin man, right? Sweet. Yeah. No disrespect to the opponent, but that's, that's the level, right? What do you do with him? I still, I still want to know who the best light heavyweight in Britain is. Anthony Yards took all the biggest fights at this weight division. I still want to know who the best 175 in Britain is. But, you know, you've got Buati versus Aziz. Yeah. But whoever wins that, you know, as, as, as the proof has been in the pudding, the promoter on Sky is never going to let him do a crossover fight with Anthony Yard. So that's the frustrating thing. We've got some of the best light heavyweights in the world. You know, we've got three or four or five ranked in the top 10 in the world, in my opinion. Um, we just haven't seen the fights between them. And I would love to find out who the best light heavyweight in Britain is. I think Anthony Yard would love to find out. Anthony Yard would be up for it. Yeah. Like, that's evidently clear. But obviously, Callum Smith's got the Batavia fight. You've got Aziz versus Buatzi, which I think is a brilliant fight. I would love to see the winner fight Anthony Yard. Anthony Yard, I think, would love to fight the winner. But it ain't going to happen. <sighs> I've got some mild suggestions. I don't think any of them are going to maybe play out, but I'll, I'll throw them in because this this is possible. If I'm looking at timelines, this is possible. As you know, Boatsy and Aziz are going to be fighting each other uh, 21st or 22nd of October, in it? Uh, yeah. third, week of, third weekend of October, they're fighting each other. Now, both of those guys are number one and number two with the WBA. You would think that that is in some way, shape or form, some type of eliminator for the WBA. WBA belt currently held 
uh, by Dimitri Bivol, of course. Didn't, didn't um, I, turned down a Bivol fight previously, or anyway. Yeah, all right. Let's, let's not muddy the waters here. All right, I'm trying. I'm trying to move. Try, trying to move forward. So, Boatsy Aziz, there go at it, uh, and you would st- state that that would distinguish the number one with the WBA. Anthony Yard, I don't think he's too far behind him. I think he's even ranked number three uh, with a with the WBA. For me, because Smith and Baturbiev <clears throat> are fighting each other for that uh, the, the unified, unified crowd, Smith being the WBC number one. Because we're being told that that's going to happen in January time, I personally want to see the winner of Smith, Baturbiev, fight Bivol. That's what I, that's what I personally want to see. And I think the majority of fight fans would absolutely love to see that. So, if that is the case, and that does materialise, I don't see any point what, problem whatsoever with the WBA saying, right, let's have an eliminator for the number one contender, WBA, Anthony Yard versus the winner of Boatsy. Versus Aziz. That would be brilliant if that all played out. But there's also, it's never going to play out because Boxer will pull him out of the fucking purse bin or whatever, right? We know, we know right? We know how they're playing at the moment. So, Bivol doesn't have a fight right now. So, do you do this? Why don't you just fucking leapfrog him? Bivol doesn't have a fight right now, and we're being told that he wants to fight in December time. Why doesn't, and now you might have to do exactly what you've just said two minutes ago. You might have to let a fighter go and fight on a different platform or whatever you might have to go and let him do. But there's no point in Anthony Yard continuing knocking over Binman. There's no point in that. He's gone and had a go in Russia against Kovalev, fell short. Made a good account of himself for three minutes of it, but he fell short. He's learned tons since. He's then in London for what many would class as the best in this division in Autobotterbiev. Made a good account of himself, fallen short. Again, you can absolutely see the development in Anthony Yard getting to that particular level of fighting Autobotterbiev. Many would say Bivol is a far better boxer than Baturbiev. Okay, that's debatable. Does he crack as hard as Baturbiev? No, he doesn't. But he's technically fucking outstanding. He's a beautiful, beautiful boxer. But he's not a massive 175er. No. He's not massive, is he? He's very technically good, and he is 175. Probably, maybe if he pushed himself, he could get to 168. But he's not gigantic. No. The athleticism of Anthony Yard, what's the point in fucking about waiting? There's no point in fucking about waiting. If Boatsy and Aziz are fighting each other, Callum Smith's taking care of Baturbiev and getting involved in that fight. I hope so. <laughs> What what else is Anthony Yard going to do? Tick along? Now, don't get me wrong. There are other options if you want to maybe not do it at the very, very top level. We saw Zach Parker come back at the weekend, didn't we? And he's flirting between the two weight divisions. That's an in-house fight. It absolutely could be made. Anthony Yard, Zach Parker at 175. I'm sure Zach Parker would jump at the chance to maybe boost himself at light heavyweight. That might appeal to a certain fan base. Listen, I would like to see it, but I just think Yard is at that level now, at that age now, at that experience now, where you just got to go, let's keep fucking pushing. Let's see if we can get him there. Yeah. If Bivol's free, make him an offer. Yeah. Try and get it. There's no no point in waiting for the outcome of these lads because I doubt very much, or or even Boatsy and Aziz, I very much doubt that their promoter is going to allow it. So just fucking leapfrog it, leapfrog it and see if you can make it happen. 
Yeah, listen, it's a really interesting point. And with all their money getting floated around and from Saudi Arabia, maybe that's how you do it as well. That's how you pull them in because Bivol will be able to pull in a big audience in the Middle East because that's where the, the playground of the Russians, isn't it? So it's an really interesting take. I think obviously you haven't mentioned the elephant in the room though who fights this weekend against a kid from two weight divisions below. I think how Canelo, what Canelo does on the microphone on Sunday morning could well be what happens with Bivol next. If he calls out Dimitri Bivol yeah, after maybe. beating up Charlo this weekend, yeah, then I think maybe. Canelo Bivol too is probably what Bivol is going to chase in the direction of with Batebiev Smith now. Not you can't be grudging that because that's where the dough is, isn't it? You can't yeah, be grudging I, I, I get that. It. Bivol, that is. I get it. Bivol, that is. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. If you're Frank Warren, especially if you're tapped into this Saudi market, okay, it's one it's one good thing putting the heavyweights out to Saudi, but if there's that much money out there, Bivol, that's the difference. Bivol, trying to sell Bivol at Wembley Stadium, or not Wembley Stadium, Wembley Arena, uh, yeah. In a fight with Anthony Yard is a lot more difficult than saying, well, why don't we take you over to Saudi with this this kind of a site fee? It'll almost be like a home advantage fight for you uh, because the Russians that will travel and, you know, you're the main event kind of thing. I think there's a there's definitely a market there, an opportunity there for Frank to speak to Bivol. And I think Yard's the type of fighter that would jump at it. I think you said yeah, Anthony Yard, do you want to just fuck them off waiting for them and and go straight for the third world title fight. I think Anthony Yard would absolutely bite your hand off for it. And you know what? Even if he fell short against Bivol, you've still got big money fights with Callum Smith, Aziz, Buatzi down the line anyway. Because so. look at him. He's he's com- he's a commercial success, Anthony Yard. Yeah, he yeah. has that thing. He might you might look at this division and think there's better boxers. Yeah. But he he knocks people out. He looks the fucking business. He talks yep. the talk, and he's he puts his bollocks on the line, man. He steps up. He has a go. I'd have uh, I'd have fucking clipped his hairdresser from the weekend. though. that was a pretty, pretty <laughs> mate. I can't mate. I can't comment on anybody's bonnet whatsoever. He, if you've got hair, <laughs> wear it how you want to wear it, and you wear it how you want to wear it, lad. <laughs> we'll have a word with Tom Day over that one. Jesus Christ! I'm not lions in the camp. <laughs> it were a full yeah. man that weren't it full yeah, man exactly uh done i think done yeah anything else you want to pick up on you sound yeah i'm done i'm done we're done okay. it's all good there you go. Uh, thank all you good to uh the podcast you can subscribe to us of course uh via the website fightdisciples.com there'll be another show coming your way this week jaya pataya on British soil, mm. uh, take on Jordan Thompson, right. and of course he's just mentioned the undisputed versus undisputed. Uh, you, your 154 pound Charlo stepping up to 168 to take on Canelo Alvarez. Uh, we'll have a bit of a preview coming later on in the week for that. So make sure you subscribe to us. You can also do it via YouTube. Fight disciples on there. Hit the button. Get in the comment section. Have a little bit of a chin wag, weirds, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.